Welcome everybody back to Take the Hill, which is a leadership podcast connecting you to influential individuals exhibiting great leadership and exploring the human side of leadership. So welcome back, Angelo and Dennis. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, good morning. Fantastic and wonderful to have you here. So we are excited again to have one of our close friends and colleagues back in the studio, uh, Mr. Steve Adelkoff. Welcome to the show again, sir. Thank you so much, doctor. It's a pleasure to join you guys. Well, it is exciting. So if you have not checked out Steve's earlier podcasts, uh, we highly recommend that you go back and take a look at those two. Uh, beginning with number nine and number 11, right, where we talk about what is next over the horizon, where you get a good introduction to Steve and some of his background. And then number 17, TikTok and WeChat, uh, another another event that's still somewhat ongoing. We'll kind of see the direction that that takes. Uh, but today, our focus is going to be on what is happening in the stock market and the financial industry right now with uh with Reddit and Robinhood and uh, taking a look at a couple stocks that are, are being influenced uh, by a particular group of investors. So uh, Dennis, if you want to advance the slides here, what's what's particularly interesting, and, and Steve, I just want to jump right in it, right? So, because I know you have a lot of insight and wisdom as it relates to this, but uh, I tried to come up with, you know, just at least a paradigm for our listeners all right so if you don't really know what's happening and you're kind of just following along and you don't really have maybe a full backside uh to me it almost seems like in, and we see this play out in history where you know i you identify some advantage all right in this case you know it was you know the day traders or you know those quick time stock sales and the ability to get into you know the stock market and not necessarily go through a larger brokerage or institutional investor and they identify some leverage but then eventually that becomes known and then there's resultant either turmoil or change and everybody jumps on board. And, and so it's like this, this paradigm from my perspective. So are, are we close, I guess, in our thinking? I love you, Patrick, but no. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, and I do love you. I'd love you like a brother. So um, I, I understand what you're saying. You raise mm -hmm. an, an interesting point. Uh, I gotta tell you though, I think that this um, uh, what's going on right now is this really fascinating um, uh, push that it's a confluence of events where um, uh, uh, trading and the, the markets have have been pushed down to the retail investor who, as a sort of collective conscience, is just trying to figure out how to flex its muscle, and uh, uh, sites like Robinhood. Um, and, and frankly, TD Ameritrade, and yeah, uh, uh, you know, and right now you can you can you know be in the park and and, and trade stock. Uh, you combine that with um, uh, a, a pointing of the finger of the bad guy, and in this case, really focusing on the short sellers, the institutional short sellers, and um, 
they're doing something called a short squeeze and they're driving valuations into places that are absolutely ridiculous. And let me let me just give you a disclaimer here because I do hold my broker-dealer license and, and it's important for the um, broker-dealer where my license is, INTE Securities, that I say I don't provide financial advice and what I'm doing here is really in connection with um, uh, anything but financial advice. But, but Patrick, what I think we're seeing right now is um, uh, a newfound power with the retail investors who also have a social bent, who have just focused a lot of anger on these short sellers. And um, I get it to a certain extent. I don't get it. I think, I think that those angry people don't realize that short sellers actually did some great things in this world. We can discuss that, but there it is. Yeah. So, and thank you for that clarification. And and that's what I love, right? So and that's why we're here to learn more and more about clarifying our perspective. But, you know, why, why do you think that anger or why was it projected uh, in this case you know, toward that group of individual sellers? Uh, I've been thinking about that for since I heard about this. And by the way, I heard about this yesterday morning when a, a, a very dear close friend of mine, who's a 20 something person, um, this person doesn't really invest in the market, but has a lot of strong social value, very passionate about social issues. And this person said, hey, did you see what's going on with GameStop and Reddit? And I didn't. And then this person was like, I'm going to take my last 300 bucks and buy a share of GameStop, and I'm going to just ride this thing to the end because, damn it, there's bad people out there. I, I'm not quite sure why, but I can I can offer this. And, and in fairness, you know, there's some countries that just outlaw short selling. So when we were doing the Sharia funds years ago, uh, and the whole strategy was to come up with a Sharia-compliant way to do a long, short hedge fund, and the short side of it is what we're talking about here. Uh, uh, you couldn't trade that in many countries, including, I believe, still the UAE. So you know, short sellers do have this negative thing. But but let me tell you something, uh, guys, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have this in my class in two weeks when we study Enron. The guy who blew the lid off of Enron in the investment community, not the, not the reporting community, that was Forbes, um, uh, but the guy who blew it off in the investment community is a guy named Jim Chanos. You'll see Jim on CNBC, Bloomberg, what, what have you, probably the most famous short seller out there. And he was the one who took Enron down and discovered the fraud. So there's a yin and a yang. There's a memory that can be sometimes short. Um, uh, if you're a 20 something and you're investing in the market, you weren't even you know, um, alive during Enron. So you wouldn't remember what the short seller did that was, that was actually quite favorable for the market. I don't know if I'm answering it or not. I don't know why the hell everybody's necessarily mad. Yeah. And like you said, that I think that would probably be something that maybe comes out in the future as you said memories are both short and long so you know that that may surface eventually down the road but again right now why i mean who really knows um so in terms of walking us through some of the major players you know right now can you talk a little bit about who retail investors are versus maybe you know the more traditional you know traders absolutely happy to um do the institutionals because they're um uh they're 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 longer in the tooth uh, institutional investors, particularly, we're looking at investment banks, hedge funds, 
Um, mutual funds are, 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 are a huge player in this. Um, all, all of those people that, that you're listing, probably not equity firms. When I think of that, I think of private equity. They're probably not trading stocks. They're more buying businesses and selling businesses. Endowments money is often managed by um, the investment banks, the hedge funds, the money managers. But these are the guys who take, who spend a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, which companies are going to produce the great returns, which companies are not. Uh, uh, they have a, a, a strategy, and now we're talking about my certified anti my certified um, alternative investment analyst designation here. <laughs> yeah, uh, the CAIA, uh, uh, and they come up with strategies to um, uh, to invest. One strategy is a short sale, and uh, uh, in this case, um, a lot of a lot of institutional money piled into GameStop. We saw you know, short positions of 150% of, of the stock. I, uh, I, don't under, I don't just don't know how you get there. Uh, we'll talk about a short squeeze later. So you know, th those are those players. They're managing pension money. They're managing um, 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 high net worth individuals. They're managing um, uh, endowment money, foundational money, uh, 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 large chunks of money that come together. The asset management world is um, a, a huge and 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 fairly and, and lucrative world for 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 the big financial money centers. Then there's this new group for whom I'm not sure we've really fully um, uh, come to terms with its strength as a collective conscious, and it's retail investors, and that's individuals. They can now get on um, um, Robinhood and buy, you know, fractional shares of, of Berkshire Hathaway or, 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 or what have you. Uh, uh, and by the way, it's not just the Robinhood, although that's a, um, uh, that's a great app that provides um, uh, access to the market for more individuals, which is a, a, a great thing. That can only be a great thing. It's also TD Ameritrade, Schwab, et cetera. It's people taking... $300, $3,000, $30,000, and picking their own stocks and deciding what their investment fate is and moving away from the professional money managers and doing it themselves. And I think what's unusual about this one is they seem to, the retail side of this, by the way, when I say the retail side of it, we don't know what the muscle is. Um, there's a, just a ton of retail money in the market. So when you go on these Reddit sites and you see and, and, and you get excitement saying, you know, be damned, those short sellers on GameStop, go bid it up so that they have a short squeeze, which we'll talk about later. Uh, I don't know how many billions of dollars there could be there, but that's a lot of power. And I got to tell you that has a market manipulation smell to it that is just from a securities law perspective, it's, it's, it's a little mind numbing to wrap one's mind around it. It's not just like a classic, it's not a pump and dump, which, which we've heard of Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Um, uh, that's not what this is. This is a group coming together saying, I hate you short sellers. We're gonna have a gazillion people buy the stock and screw you. It's market manipulation. I don't seem to think that that's illegal. It's crazy. There you go. Yeah. Hey, yeah and Steve, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Dennis. Hey, well, you know, I, again, once again, you're always 
bring something that I'm just not aware of or maybe don't quite understand, but, but how, where do you find all these people? I mean, these groups of people, how do they find people to do this? Or is this like connected to our economy or I, I guess I'm just not understanding how do they get that many people to act at one, at one moment to, to, as you say, screw the short seller. I, I just, that, that just seems on almost impossible to do. I so agree. I, 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 I don't know. And that leads me to conclude that sites like Reddit have more, I don't know if power is the right word, but more um, uh, influence than, than certainly than I ever imagined. I, I don't think anybody's seen anything like this before. Uh, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I hearken back to Mac, Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point um, as maybe finding some some clues there. One of his first, it might have been thinking about his first book. Uh, but I don't have an answer to that. I have no idea, but they sure got on the bandwagon. And man, I mean, the proof is in the, 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 the data. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, and I like that reference back because, you know, the tipping point, you're right, you, when you're looking at systems and you're seeing these kind of um, not necessarily invisible powers, uh, but there's there's influencers in the market that eventually come to bear uh, when the conditions are right. And, you know, the point that, it, that I'm reading and I'm hearing a lot, as you said, Steve, is, you know, the power of these sites, you know, be it Reddit or anywhere else on the internet, um, to bring that much influence to institutions which normally held the power in the past uh, in more contemporary times, it seems to be really shaking the core, I guess, foundations of a lot of industries or organizations such as the stock market, right? Um, you know, you can go back and Mr. even, I'm just going to pull up, for example, you know, the Arab Spring, right? I mean, you is a great example of leveraging, you know, social media apps you know, to pull individuals together, you know, to achieve a particular result. And I think maybe we're seeing uh, some of this same thing happen now where again, Reddit or whatever uh, platform you want to use was the vehicle through which you were able just to very quickly build this, this mass movement uh, towards a particular cause. Uh, I hear you. It, 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 absolutely. And how fascinating, right? Just how, how absolutely fascinating. I, I also have to tell you, though, um, you know, all well and good to squeeze shorts and make hedge fund guys lose a lot of money. Um, but um, number one, um, you may be cutting off your nose to spite your face because you know, the valuations, I mean, every, you listen to people uh, in CNBC, Bloomberg, everybody says the game stock valuation is just nuts, absolutely nuts. I don't know. Again, I don't provide financial advice. My broker dealer. But <laughs> it's sure. Yeah. Last I looked, they don't even have earnings, right? And this is a brick and mortar company. Wow. And it just went out of sight um, for, for social reasons. So that's one side of it. And the other side of it is, I know a lot of hedge fund people. I know a lot of asset managers. I know a lot of investment bankers. These are smart, smart people. They look at this and they say, um, 
I learned something. I got burned on this trade, and then they move on to the next trade is what they're going to do. Uh, and 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 they're 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 very strong in believing that you know one mistake is a lesson. The same mistake twice is a hanging offense. I promise you, they're smarter than all of us and a collective conscience as well. And that social group can chase as much as you're going to chase, but you continue to do it. Ultimately, we're going to run out of money. Yeah, and I, yeah, and that's the interesting element is again, you know, we look at these events, and I think you know individuals seem at times to be very quick to judge, right, and almost, you know, armchair quarterback. But the point that you had said, and I remind my students of the same thing, right? These are are really smart individuals, right? In most cases, um, and and I think they they know more sometimes than we give them credit to do credit for in terms of being able to uh, leverage technology to get their word out. Uh, like you said, that they're, they're, they are intelligent, you know, right? Um, just real quickly before we continue, because there's lots of good stuff I want to get to, I at least want to introduce a couple of the other players, um, be it GameStop, uh, be it Robinhood, just so again, our audience kind of understands kind of all we're talking about, you know, before we get into some of the other fascinating elements. So GameStop themselves, like I said, is an American video game consumer electronics and gambling merchant, gaming merchandise retailer, all right? Uh, they're headquartered in Grapevine, Texas. Uh, what's interesting, uh, like I said about GameStop, again, like I said, they were, they were, you know, with the video game, you know, market kind of shifting. And like I said, there's a lot of changes in that industry right now uh, between, you know, these physical mom these physical brick and mortar locations and, you know, a lot of movement towards more web-based virtual downloading games, right? So you have a tug and pull uh, kind of in that industry right now itself, right? Uh, if you advance the slides, we will also see, you know, another player in this game, as you mentioned, is Robinhood, right? So Robinhood themselves, as you mentioned earlier, is a vehicle through which individuals are able to make trades within the stock market, right? Buy, purchase, sell, and hold stocks for example um, so you know those two entities are kind of front and center right now um, and is reddit right so reddit is a, kind of an aggregator all right so it's it's that provides the vehicle through which individuals can connect communicate share ideas and again the ability to you know, vote on the popularity of certain threads and certain lines of discussions but it's the ability that brings people together all right around an idea so the idea of these short sellers, Steve, you talked about, um, can you explain that process a little bit more? Sure, absolutely. So um, uh, you could buy stock and mm -hmm. hold it forever and a day. You could buy, you know, I can give shares to your friends, blah, blah, blah. Or if you want to bet that a company is going to lose value, you can do something called sell short. The the um, playbook is um, to borrow stock from a broker dealer uh, who keeps this kind of stock in reserve so that you can borrow those shares and then sell it in the market on the same day and take the cash. And then you wait till the shares drop in price. And when they drop in price, you go back into the market and buy it at the lower price and return those specific shares to the broker and you keep the difference so when it goes down you win now a couple of things about short selling 
number one, um, the payoff is not symmetric. So um, on the upside, you're you're capped at how much you can make because it can only go down to zero, right? So you know you you know a maximum amount of what you can make, and if it goes down to zero, you know there you go. But the amount of loss in theory, all things being equal, if you haven't done something else, is unlimited because the shares could just keep going up, 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 and you keep paying, paying, paying because when you got to go back into the market, you got to buy the stock at, at, at an unlimited price or at a some price. So um, as a strategy, it's a difficult one for retail investors to um, to execute. You got to be good. You got to be a good trader. Don't try this at home, kids kind of thing. Um, pros do it, and even pros get burned. So that's number one. Number two, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, you, you, you could certainly short stocks in the traditional way that I was describing, um, or you can use options through puts and calls and um, achieve something similar for a lot less risk. And I do expect that a lot of the hedge, the short interest, in, and obviously there was a hell of a lot of short interest. It was like 150 uh, uh, percent of the, of, the, of, the, of the stock that's trading. So somebody out there was, many out there were doing a lot of shorts. But you, know, you, you could replicate that, maybe not exactly, but you could certainly come close to replicating that using options and not have that payoff of unlimited loss. Uh, and I suspect a lot more of that was out there. And by the way, those people probably, those those institutions probably did not get hurt as badly because they you place smaller bets for bigger gains, and the bets hit um, more infrequently. Uh, but then there's one other thing: the short squeeze, and that's what this is all about. So um, here's how that one works. This is. This is like a bad dream for a trader, right? This is this is this is a bad day. Stock starts going up, and through either um, regulatory margin calls or um, good sense or whatever, the trader says, "Time to get out. I'm taking a bath," and you sell into the market because you because remember, you actually you don't excuse me, you don't sell into the market. You go back into the market to buy the stock. Well, if you have all these shorts buying stock from the market, what happens to the price? The price goes up, 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 and you lose more and more and more. And that's called a short squeeze because as time goes on, you're losing more and more money because everybody's out there buying the stock. You're getting squeezed out is what is the is the, is, the, is the nomenclature. So in, in what happened two days ago, I I, I don't know for sure. Who, somebody's going to tell us when they look at the data, but I suspect what happened was that um, – the retail investors sort of got the ball rolling and really jabbed it. And there might have been logarithms out there that said to the short seller, you got to sell because it hit a certain trigger. Uh, and, and once those guys cleared out, the price jumped some more. And by the time you had the traders who were not on automatic trade, I don't know if any of those are left, you know, the price is now up a thousand percent and the squeeze is so hard you need to go to the hospital. That, I think, had a lot to do with it. It wasn't just the retail investors who flexed their muscle and drove the stock price up. They just did it enough so that the short squeeze came in and the institutionals got hurt. So when you when you look at this, the idea that the obviously the 
the retail investors are able to influence the market. Absolutely. Is there any benefit then to the actual company that they're influencing, such as you know, what we're seeing here? I mean, is GameStop actually benefiting well, by this? That's a fantastic way? question. And, you know, I, I, I was getting my workout in this morning at 630, thinking about that very question. <laughs> sports, the sports Center was on, but I was nonetheless thinking about that question. Um, it's a little perverse, um, but the answer is maybe. So let's take AMC, for example, and who could not love a good movie theater other than it's in a pandemic, they've been losing their shirt. But if you ever hear the CEO, he's just a charming guy. So if, you, if you listen to him on CNBC and he's really, you know, they're, they're, they're doing as deep thinking as they can on how to save their, 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 their business, their industry. All of a sudden, his valuation is significantly higher. And now the lenders in the world say, hmm, uh, maybe I've got um, stronger collateral than I thought. So all the treasury shares, for example, that the company would, would, would hold are in theory worth more. Uh, the balance sheet in theory could be worth more. Um, let's remember when Hertz went bankrupt, they issued stock out of in, 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 in chapter 11 and in bankruptcy, mind boggling that anyone would buy the stock, but they issued stock and they had value and the stock price went up and that you know helped them, I think, do their thing. So yeah, um, higher valuation means higher um, stock price, of course, means perhaps better balance sheet and perhaps more significant access to capital. And then and what we heard today, I believe it was Robin Hood who tapped their credit lines, which you know, it's not unusual because the, you know, um, the quasi-regulators and the regulators um, uh, uh, and the self-policing organizations um, basically were requiring all BDs, including Robin Hood, to sort of beef up how much cash and reserves they had so that they could settle these trades in two or three days that's you know, coming down the, the, the pike with all of this GameStop stuff. Uh, you saw them tap the market. So if there's one benefit, that's... Hey, Steve, I, um, I got a question. Actually, I got two questions. And uh, I don't know if either one makes sense, but I'm going to throw them out there anyway. But... I, I, it seems like we're talking about the big fish. Uh, we're talking about all the, the big investors and everything, but how does this impact the small investor? I mean, who doesn't quite understand someone like me who doesn't really understand what's going on. And I mean, does it hurt them? Does it help them? I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of worry out there right now um, about the retail investor um, and getting hurt. So I heard the former um, uh, SEC chair who just stepped down speak yesterday about this. Um, uh, you hear Mark Cuban talk about it um, and, and a number of others. Um, one thing that's gone on with this um, sort of social pounding of the chest against short sellers is that the stock prices has gone so high, it doesn't seem to have a rational relation to fundamentals. And um, uh, that means that you could have a bubble. And when the bubble bursts, it's the small guy who's going to be hurt the most. Um, that's one risk. I think also the government is looking at this and they're saying, mm, 
you know, people moving in and out of these stocks, the short-term trading, not having sort of a long-term vision of of investment, where you know, I mean, investment is not I buy a stock today and I sell it tomorrow. Investment is I like this company, I want to be part owner of the company, so I'm going to buy some shares in the company. I'm going to hold it and see what happens. Trading is buying and figuring out when the next way to get out of it is. Now, there's a lot of professionals who do it, and many do it well. There's a lot of amateurs who do it, and I doubt they do it as well as the professionals, at least not to start with, but, you know, okay. But the government generally is not, is, it has, is, is suspicious of um, fast trading, moving in and out of stocks, uh, uh, not thinking about fundamentals, trading away from fundamentals and building up asset prices. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot of other things going on in the world that influence that too. It's, it, you know, and it's a dangerous world out there right now. So yeah, I, I, I don't think that this is always great for the retail investor. And when I hear, particularly that friend that I, that I referenced earlier, when I hear this person say, I'm in it for the social good. I'm passionate about the social good, and I'm willing to ride this investment down to zero. I sort of say, that's not a good economic reason to do it. I suppose you know it, it could be a good social reason that that I'm, I, you know, I I don't want to dismiss, but it's it, it's a bad. Um, my second question, and, and again, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around all this, and. <clears throat> but I see these are uh, companies that are probably in trouble financially. And it reminds me of the music industry when, uh, you know, everybody was, I mean, back in the day, it was records and I went to, uh, but now we have the downloading and, and, and again, you see everything shifting to, uh, I mean, I think the music industry was worried about well, how are they going to make money? And I kind of, I don't know if this is the same thing. Like you have companies that are trying to shift the, the way the market is, or, I, I mean, I guess I'm trying to, again, wrap my brain around why are they doing it? I mean, or is it just to make a quick buck or, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm confused. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. That is, I am too. I, I share that. I mean, there, there is this social feel that 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 you get that you know we don't like short sellers they're 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 bad for companies um uh and so we're going to squeeze them and make them feel the pain uh and 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 certainly this revolution of um trading using apps and 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 you know robin hood and and, and td ameritrade of course schwab and that it's wide open trading for the retail investor could even do options and get into some real hairy stuff. But I, I share that. I just, uh, uh, I, I share it. I, I, and, and, and I'll tell you what, um, and, and, and in fact, will you guys tell me when it's time for me to ask you guys questions? <laughs> yeah, I think that's coming soon. No doubt. Um, one of the, and because we did talk about those apps, like you said, Schwab and Robinhood and TD Ameritrade, and and I, I mean, I have the same thing through through TD Ameritrade, right? So I mean, we all dabble in it, but you know, from from their perspective, like you said, I think the influence and the resulting actions that have happened are not necessarily understood by the investors or the individuals who are, are pushing, you know, some of these trades recently. You know, for example, 
and correct me if I'm interpreting this wrong, but the reason that Robinhood stopped trading, which is another maybe discussion line in and of itself, is because of the legality and the SEC rules and requirements in the first place, not because they wanted to influence the market per se, um, but because they essentially needed to protect their own company, right? So in terms of the these individuals, like I said, who provide the opportunity to, you know, for the retail investors, you know, what is the impact on them moving forward? You know, as a result, are they going to be under increased scrutiny? Um, is the SEC maybe going to watch the number of, of players in that field, perhaps, right? Because now you, you've, you've maybe have demonstrated that you could literally open the market and wield this power. Maybe this group is going to be facing more restrictions in the end, perhaps. You, you raise a fantastic point, uh, and let's remember the securities trading industry is one of the most highly regulated industries there is, um, for good reason. I mean, just for me to be able to get my Series Seven, Sixty Three, and Twenty Four took you know quite some time, um, uh, and that's like a small, small sliver of uh, mammoth, mammoth. Um, industry. So you're absolutely right. And the, the CEO of Robinhood got on the horn today and said, hey, look, what do you want from my life? You know, the regulators and the, and the, and, 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 and the, and the quasi regulators came in and said, I got to stop it. Yeah. And that, that's the only right thing to do. The, the, we're not making a fluid market in this thing. It's upside down and I have no choice. And he's right. Um, uh, uh, the SEC is is going to be looking at this. We've already heard um, it, it, it's fascinating. We've already heard Elizabeth Warren say, hmm, "What's going on?" And Senator Warren, if she gets to be in her bonnet, she's going to look at it hard. Uh, and she's come up with some fantastic legislation when she has a bee in her bonnet, uh, and not only when she has a bee in her bonnet. Uh, a lot of others are looking at this and saying. Yeah. Do we need more regulation? A guy from the SEC got on, an older guy, a former SEC guy, um, not the chairman. He was, uh, I think, an SEC lawyer, was also on the Talking Heads show saying, you know, we, we probably have enough regulation to control retail investing. Uh, we just have to apply it and, 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 and maybe tweak it because we're talking about sort of a brave new world in many ways. But I'm telling you, I think the thing that scares the people the most is that um, the trading it seems to be um, uh, uh, dislocated from economics, dislocated from fundamentals, dislocating from um, what we think is rational um, in investing and, 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 and moving. Everybody seems to be saying, we hate those short sellers, not we love GameStop. Stop. Yeah, and I think this is a, I mean, a good point, like you said, to hand the keys over to you a little bit in terms of uh, firing some questions our way. Because um, like you said, as I'm looking at it and, and through your help this morning, you know, I think it's certainly making a lot more sense. But systemically, again, if you look at the individual components and what they normally would do in terms of their respective roles, it's just another interesting break from I will use the word tradition, I suppose. Let me ask you guys something. You know how I love to ask you questions. And and remember, I, my view is that this is the year of the moderate. Uh, President Biden is, uh, I think he's doing a fantastic job. And he's talking about you know, down the center of the fairway. Um, uh, 
uh, it's really the year of the moderate. One thing happened, I think it was yesterday, AOC, Representative AOC, and Senator Cruz basically took the same position that uh, Robin Hood should have never stopped trading on the stock. So you got a fairly far, you've got a, a far left represent politician, a far right politician, and they have the same view about Robin Hood trading stock. Is it the year of the moderate? Are those extremists going to come together? And what's going on with that, guys? Huh. Who's first? <laughs> I certainly have some ideas. Uh, Dennis and Angela, do you want to jump in before me or uh, do you want me to fire away? Wow. I don't know. I'm just, the, when it comes to politics, you know, and Patrick knows my politics and um, I'm a little bit... Uh, I, I, you know, I think here you bring up a great point, Stephen. And, and again, I may be way off here, um, but I think we're looking back in the during the Clinton administration, where everybody started to come to the middle to get something done. If we look at the recent history, uh, we were so divided and so far apart that uh, nothing really was. Uh, a lot of things weren't getting done that needed to be getting done. Um, I'm hoping that politicians are recognizing that, hey, it's time whether to put aside their differences and maybe come to the middle and start getting some things done that need to be done. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. I mean, that's why I believe Clinton was successful as a president, other than his other extra activi activities that he uh, participated in. Um, but, but I think he, he was willing to come to the middle and, uh, work with both sides. So if we can do that and see that again, it may be one of those years where, or one of those administrations that this happens, I don't know, or are we going, or are we going to stay split? I, I can't answer that, but I think that I hope they can, I hope they can come together and work. But, uh, and, and again, what you said about those two, a far left, far right coming together, and agreeing on something is, uh, and, uh, compared to what's happened recently, that, that's that's really odd. So I, I could see it happening like it did in the Clinton administration, maybe. What do you think, Angelo? Um, part of me is glad that we, <clears throat> I'm not being asked to talk about the investment stuff um, because that is, that, I mean, that is so complicated. But it, it, just to speak to it very quickly, somebody who's never, ever really had a hand in that if anything i mean this brought it into my sphere you know like i'm at least like interested a little bit more in what all this is i think i've learned a lot more about this stuff in the last couple of days but i could have told you five seven eight years ago that gamestop is going down they've been trying to sell and, and and get rid of their product for a long time so i just find it intriguing how a company that like has just been so low and so down like just gets all this flame it's i guess the world is an interesting place but on the topic of the the year of the moderate, I actually, and I don't like to really play against the grain too much, but I would actually even challenge that slightly just because I feel like that's what people want on the surface, but I, I just don't know if that's what we're going to get. I think that people want moderation, but I feel like there's just way too big of a pendulum, pendulum swing for, for it to land in the middle. Uh, you're seeing like this GameStop stuff with the investment, right? I mean, that that's craziness. It's, it's There's nothing moderated about that. That's just craziness, right? Um, I, I think that with executive actions, and I'm not against what's happening, I think that you're just going to see a larger swing of the pendulum, and I think it's going to pass the moderation part. 
or moderate part, I guess is the better way of saying it. Yeah. And, and so I, th I this is again, I, and I love the question, Steve, it's really good. I, I'm always going to go back to systems theory here, right? Cause again, I'm looking at it holistically as well as maybe what are the individual elements doing? And I, with how AOC and Ted Cruz happened to come together on that one particular point of Robinhood needing to continue to trade. I think you know, if you look at any, any event where, you know, there's conflict or instability, I think there's always going to be points of alignment. And it just so happened that point of alignment was illuminated very quickly, right? In this case. Um, but I still think there's, there's much that are on separate sides of the fence in terms of their actions and beliefs and, and what they want to see in terms of their vision. Um, they, I, I do like the year of the moderate in terms of the vision, uh, the execution or the operation. Can't use the big words today. That coming together and actually coming to fruition, as Angelo said, my, I, I'm not there yet because again, I think I, I don't know if it's just historically where we have been over the last five to six years. Um, if if we're able to correct as quickly as we would like, um, you know, there's always a delay in the system in terms of, okay, we 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 have this vision. This is where we want to go. Right? It takes time for that to be implemented. And I don't know if you know one year, two years, or four years is enough time to see that happen. And I think the same thing as you get into the financial elements in, in the industry here, you're seeing the same thing. I think we've, if you look at how things change, it either requires a strong vision from the top that you know the leaders or whoever they are out front, you know, put forth that people buy into, or you have a critical mass that basically basically makes change happen. And I think what has happened is we have a critical mass that has realized that they have the power to influence these very traditional organizations that have held the power in the past. And, but it's like, it's almost like when you get the keys of your first Ferrari, right? And you get in that car and you fire it up and you just hit the gas. And then you realize, holy crap, I have 400 you know, horses behind me and I'm out of control right now. Patrick, how many Ferraris do you have? The yeah, key I was going to ask that. Ferrari? What I was going to say, the keys to your first <laughs> like Ferrari. I'm sending you I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to relate to the listener here. I mean, I could have said like, you know, F16 or you know my my Cessna 182 Centurion, but I mean, no one's going to connect model. to that. You're the <laughs> modern your first Ferrari, right? <laughs> Hey, the fact that I, I got to jump up to a Chevy Geo, uh, it was, uh, you know, a big step for me. So, the, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, so, so I'm sticking with Ferrari, right? It's, it's like, it's, you, get, you get that power, right? And all of a sudden you realize you have the vehicle, the tool and the backing by, by all your compadres and you're going to go do it. And I think, you know, you get this, this myopic vision and you kind of forget about everything that's really happening outside and, and you get this collateral damage which is what i'm seeing i'm going to stop talking now great answers guys some really great answers and 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 look i have to say the year of the moderate isn't the most you know sexy media thing it's not like that's gonna you know really you know make it's not going to make a reddit board anytime soon that's that's for sure let, let me throw one other question out at you if i may um, as we know, 
tax issues are, are, are always first and foremost on my mind. I, uh, you know, just as a as a business lawyer, I, yeah, we we and we just think, breathe, and eat taxes. It's an important thing. Um, in this case, we're hearing a lot of noise about the short-term nature of the retail investors' trading psyche, and there's a lot of noise from the government about um, wanting to influence, uh, uh, incentivize longer-term thinking and a longer-term horizon when investing. And it seems that most um, professionals in the industry think that's a good idea. Yet. The best way to encourage long-term investing is to provide a lower um, tax rate for long-term capital gains. And certainly what's telegraphed by the Biden administration is that one tax um, uh, provision they're gonna attack is the favorable capital gains rate. So in other words, if, um, uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you read if we can believe the noise out there, the Biden administration would like to have the same tax rate for capital gains as ordinary income, which would move, remove the incentive for long-term holding of investments. Tell me how we're going to square that, guys. Hmm. That's a really good question. You're right. Because again, well, histor historically, I mean, the reason that you lowered the capital gains tax is because, as you said, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it's because you want to encourage you know, that long-term investment and staying in the market, right? I'm going to pass to Dennis and put him on the spot. Well, you know, I don't know much about taxes, but probably what I would have to do is probably sell one of my Ferraris. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that question, to be honest with you. Um, wow. I mean... Do you th do we think it's going to happen? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know how because if people aren't investing, and I mean, how's that impact the economy? I mean, I'm not an economist by any means, but I know that uh, when you don't have people investing and you don't have money uh, in the markets and you don't have people, you know, uh, doing that, that it actually impacts the economy. And again, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Steve, it's going to hurt the small guy more so than the, the big guy. But um, wow, I don't know enough about it to really talk about it, but I, I don't know. I, what's, what's the I, benefit of doing that is I guess I would ask. I would also add on to that question in terms of the benefit. Would organizations within industry therefore struggle because again, you're, I think long-term, wouldn't they necessarily be losing uh, working capital? Um, good question. Good question. And, and uh, you know, the noise from the regulators um, has always signaled we value long-term investment, we value long-term thinking, not short-term thinking. And in fact, um, and, and perhaps that holds a key to why um, uh, the the retail investor is so um, has such disdain for a short seller. That's generally short selling is generally a, a shorter term horizon and in investment. You don't leave it out there that long because, you know, you, you just have too much swing. So that that might be a part of it. I, I can also tell you this, though. Um, Chairman Powell, Chairman Jerome Powell said something, I think it was yesterday that sent 
just it might have been the day before it sent chills up and down my spine and i'm still having chills go up and down my spine when when chairman powell said there really doesn't seem to be a correlation anymore between interest rates and asset values um if you're a finance person if you think about like the world of economics and finance uh it's a fundamental law a fundamental paradigm that interest rates and asset values are like, you know, so intertwined uh, that it's, uh, you can't have a discussion with one without the other. And with artificial, with rates being held artificially low for so long, we've talked about this, it's like an opioid going into the economy and continuing boom, 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 boom. Eventually there's gonna be some burnout there. But what he's saying is, Forget it. Um, the, the 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 Fed's view is we're going to keep this government financial repression going and interest rates held down low. And you know what? That doesn't mean assets are going to bubble and continue to go out of control. Hey, Steve, do you think that like these world, um, I'm talking like global finance people who are you never hear of the the big big money making makers who make these huge decisions about uh, economies and so forth. Do you think they're trying to build a new paradigm? They're trying to shift uh, away from the way things were and trying to create this new, I don't know. I don't even, I can't even wrap my brain around it, but are, are these people behind it pulling strings, trying to manipulate something so that they, in the end will be okay. I, I don't know. Dennis, I, I, I look at it a little different. Who knows, right? Now, I certainly don't. I, I, this is how I look at it, though. Uh, 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 and remember, I'm, I'm in the middle of teaching a, a, a global financial um, crisis class um, uh, for my, my very dear uh, – for the program at Rutgers, which is the, um, just a fantastic program there um, uh, uh, in political science, master's in political science. Um, I think central bankers are in a bind. I think central bankers have fed on low interest rates that have that they've artificially held down through various um, uh, uh, using various tools in the kit, uh, and they can't get off of it. And for almost twenty years now, it's it's you know by and large worked, um, but. I don't know where it's going. I'm mean, right now. If you're a fixed income investor, you can't get yield anywhere. The government is sort of encouraging us to take more risk and invest in the stock market and other more risky assets than credit. Um, uh, it's 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 like taking amphetamines for 20 years. Something you're going to have a heart attack somewhere along the line. And um, uh, I think if you if you if, if you watch and, and when you think about the pandemic and how we're going to get out of it and how that's all going to um, what what boats will rise with that, um, you hear um, uh, Professor Carmen Reinhardt, who's the chief economist for World Bank and a just a, I think a latent Nobel laureate, um, and she and Professor Rogoff wrote the book. This time is different, where they chronicle over 800 years of of, of sovereign defaults. Um, uh, Professor Reinhardt looks at it and says, you know, the emerging markets are just you know, we got to really worry about them. We're going to see defaults that um, uh, could.
could be devastating in that world if interest rates rise, if commodity prices don't hold up, if various scenarios happen. And by the way, the U.S. and China and the European Union could pull out of this just fine, and those emerging markets could be crushed. And that's these are these are serious problems that we're going to confront. You know, game stocks shooting up you know, 1,200 percent. That's you know. Uh, and, and, and a couple of institutions getting a short squeeze, that's small stuff compared to um, you know, uh, uh, an, an emerging market country going bankrupt and, and the devastation. Yeah, I, and I go back to you know, maybe the maybe our theme of the year is going to be perhaps, you know, year of the disruption, right? Um, only because when I think of everything that's happening, I mean, you could pick your industry, all right? Uh, it seems like you know, everything was marching along, you know, quite quite smoothly for the most part. And again, we at least in the United States, and I think most countries around the world, you know, are relatively stable. And and we've had almost like this series of dominoes where you know across the globe, you know, we we're now entering this period of disruption and instability. And on so many fronts, you know, we're we're looking to see if the system is going to as it normally does, self-correct, right, to regain stability, right, whether that's the, you know, the, with the same elements or it changes in some way, or will it continue to be disrupted and go through a longer period of time and instability where, you know, it, it just completely reshapes the dynamic and, and understanding of what that system is, you know? So, I mean, maybe, maybe I guess that's probably the easiest way to characterize kind of where where I'm at in terms of looking at what's happening in this market and other areas around the world. The year of the disruption is certainly a lot sexier than the year of the moderate. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we can certainly combine them together. Who knows? <laughs> right. Uh, but, and I don't know that I have the answer. And I think it's interesting. Like you said, you look back at you know these events, you know, regardless, you know, politically, economically, um, even if it relates to an individual industry organization, you know, these, these major disruptions, you're almost sitting back and, and it's hard to really see it when it's happening because like you said, it's, it's so dynamic and you never know which variable is, is going to change the course at any given point in time. And it's not until you, you give yourself the time and the space and the distance to either look back or to take that 30,000 foot view to realize, oh, okay, here's what's happening. Uh, and, and that would be really hard to see you know, during the period of time that you're actually in it, because again, it it's just not normal, normal day-to-day -day stuff that you're typically accustomed to seeing. And that's my most intellectual thought that I can come up with at the moment. I love it. I love it. Amen. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. And, and like you said, where to go and, and where this goes you know, even within the next you know, few weeks to months, I think, as you said earlier, Steve, you know, as you look back and, and let's see what the government and the SEC does, let's see what Robinhood does and, and these you know, retail investment trading you know, apps, um, and as well as you know, the, the major investors. I mean, I, I think everybody is responding. And I think even the individuals who began the social movement, like you said, I, I think they're starting to realize, you know, wow, I, I have as much influence as I do you know, because again, I think even even that group is probably taken aback a bit as to the influence they actually had. Amen. Absolutely. 
So what did we miss? I don't think anything. I think that's been a good conversation right there. It, uh, yeah, I learned a lot. And thank you for, for setting us off on the right track. Like you said, you know, that's the whole idea of this show sometimes is like you said, to not only illuminate new perspectives, but also clarify things that, you know, we, we have misinterpreted or didn't understand correctly. And, you know, I love that we have the format to do that. You guys are fantastic. Steve, I gotta say, uh, once again, uh, my brain hurts. Um, <laughs> I, I always love when you're on the show because, again, it always gets me thinking. And, and you know, we've uh, all the subject matters that you bring to the table uh, remind me of just how um, how on how things are changing so quickly. And I mean, my age, being as old as I am. Uh, these last three years have been so unpredictable, so crazy, and so different. And you just keep reminding me that I got to keep my my uh, finger on the pulse of things. And and because if we don't, we get left behind. So you remind me that you know we not, we got to stay in tune. We got to get uh, we got to grasp a hold of some of these ideas and some of these thoughts, so that uh, again we don't get left behind. Um, it's it's an ever never ever or ever never changing whatever you know everything's changing so quick and so fast that i just can't keep up with it but again i'm gonna have to take some tylenol as soon as we're done here uh sit down and just uh contemplate on it but steve it's always a pleasure to have you uh on the show you you guys are just you guys are so much fun. Uh, it's, 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 it's the best way to spend a morning with you guys uh, anytime. I just so enjoy it. Angelo, reflections, thoughts. Yeah, um, you might have to ask me next week for some reflections on this to give me that amount of time to, to digest it. The, here's, here's where I'm going to go with this right at the end, just to, to maybe throw out one more question. Maybe it's rhetorical. I don't know. But there was something that was brought up about GameStop, and I'm, I'm perseverating on GameStop because I'm a gamer myself, and I love GameStop, and I love physical media, and um, part of me it, having no semblance of investing or anything, I just was excited to see GameStop back in a spotlight like trending on Twitter and stuff like the gamer and me, the physical collector media guy was like, yeah, GameStop's back. You know, um, I, I know that we kind of my impression of a question that was asked earlier was, is GameStop going to gain anything from this inevitably? Right. It sounds like investment wise or stock wise or that fancy stuff, maybe not. But I but I wonder, is there other gains that GameStop can make from this? I mean, if anything, they're getting a ton of PR. And um, not even bad PR, you know, and the cliche is, is like, you know, there's no such thing as bad PR. I don't even think they're getting bad PR here. I mean, they didn't do anything from what I understand. Like they weren't really players in this at all. They're just ancillary and they're getting all this. I mean, they're all they're trending on every social media. My question, I guess, here for anybody that wants to share insight, could this give an ancillary gain to GameStop that desperately does need attention? Well, Angelo, uh, look behind you. Yeah, see all those uh, vinyls sitting on the shelf? Uh, there was a time when those were considered uh, obsolete, never to come back again, and you see them making a comeback. Maybe that's their, maybe that's the trend. Maybe people, uh, gamers, want to go back to the way it was. Uh, it, let, me, let me just actually jump on that because I collect both games and, and vinyl. I just want to say that I feel like music is at, at a different part of that evolution of that swing right now. 
Um, you know, I think that music's like right now I run a music podcast. Like I, I'm buying crazy vinyl. Everybody, every band, sm the smallest bands in the world are putting out vinyl because you could press it yourself now. Like you could buy machines to do it. I, video games, in my opinion, is actually on the way out. They're on the back end of this thing, on the wrong side of it, where uh, publishers and console makers, they want digital games. They don't have to package it. They don't have to put it on store shelves. They don't have to um, argue for space in Walmart. Um, so I, I think it's actually a different monster. They're, the the industry is trying to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I, I think I was just in Walmart not too long ago. Like you said, I was really surprised at the amount of uh, vinyl record options that were were there. All right. I mean, it was almost an entire aisle of vinyl. Um, so the one thing I do want to touch upon before we leave uh, for our audience, because again, like you said, I mean, we're, we're lucky enough to keep Steve captive for as long as we do at times. Because um, like you said, you do have so much insight. Tell us a little bit about how we can stay connected uh, with you, because I know you are looking to potentially roll out some uh, new projects here, perhaps this year, maybe with your own show, or maybe taking the keys uh, to this show, perhaps. Well, uh, definitely on my list for 2021, uh, doing more podcasts with you and with your infrastructure uh, uh, and with school, with, with the university, of course. Um, uh, and I keep thinking um, the year of the, I, I'm not sure, I, 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 after discussing the year of the moderate, I'm not sure that is the right one. Maybe it is. Could be um, the year of the Ferrari, just saying. Uh, this is just going to be a uh, once again. I could be the year of the Ferrari. Uh, that that that's correct. We know it's going to be a wild year, and I I am really looking forward to um, advancing the podcast ball. I think what 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 you guys are doing is just fantastic. It's really sensational, and um, uh, I'm glad to be a part of it, and I'm glad to help grow it. Awesome. Well, like I said, you always have a seat at the microphone here. And uh, like I said, listeners, if you have not yet had the chance to go back and listen to the earlier podcast uh, with Steve, uh, definitely take the time to do that. Because again, he shed some some really great insight, uh, both on TikTok and WeChat, which I said is still ongoing, as well as just, you know, looking over the horizon across so many fronts. Um, there's just so much dynamic nature across the industry, across countries, across fields. Uh, it's, it's just an interesting discussion. Uh, so again, we thank you for, for joining us again today. And, and no doubt we will stay in touch with you. And Angelo, I appreciate uh, the word behind you there on the board. Invest in you. Very clever. We like it. And that's what we want our audience to do. And that's what we want to have happen. Because uh, again, like I said, we are here you know, to have these conversations and explore these topics because again, it adds perspective, understanding, and it gives you the opportunity um, to invest in yourself, to refine, uh, like I said, your own leadership and professional capacities to advance towards whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So from all of us here at Take the Hill, uh, we thank you for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you on a future episode. Mm -hmm.